Hi there and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Open your Bible to Isaiah 43 and 18. Thank you, worship team. You guys do a great job. We're working on some crusades we're putting together, and I'm, I'm equally excited about taking the worship team because I think they're just going to go kick a hole in the atmosphere of every city we go to. Isaiah 43 and 18. If you're visiting here, we are so thankful that you've come. Uh, we hope you felt loved, and we hope you have felt the presence of the Lord. Isaiah 43 and 18. We're talking about new beginnings this morning. And the scripture says, Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. And what that's saying put into context of our current vernacular or how we talk today is stop rehearsing your previous failures. Stop rehearsing your previous failures. Failure is an event, not a person. You are not a divorce. You are not a mistake you made. Or you are not something that somebody did to you. On the exact contrary, you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Come on, give God a hand of praise. I'm one of those type preachers. You hear something, you go ahead and agree with it in the name of Jesus. So you are not what somebody said you are. You are what God says you are. So stop rehearsing past failures or mistakes. On the exact contrary, the scripture continues to say, Behold, I will do a new thing. Somebody say new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In other words, pay attention. You got to look for it. Listen, there's certain things that, that you'll find by accident. In other words, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. But the Bible says, if you will seek him, you will find him. In other words, there's some things you got to look for. There's some things you got to pursue. There's some things you got to go after in this life and this thing we call faith. In other words, there's some things that you can just be in the right area and it'll get on top of you. But there's some other stuff that's personal between you and God. And the only way you're going to find is you got to be looking for it. He said, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Somebody say new thing. He's doing a new thing in your life. The Bible says, and he will do for you this thing. We pay attention. We are looking for it. Then he says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Rivers in the desert. I've been in some deserts. I was in the desert uh, earlier this year. I was outside of Phoenix, and my dad and I were out there. We were on, I, I was preaching some. We were on business other, and it was just a, a great trip. But, but we said, man, we want to go find a rattlesnake because I've never seen a rattlesnake. Somebody just say, you're crazy. 
We were going to find a rattlesnake. I'd never seen a rattlesnake. I wanted to see one. I'm not trying to touch the doggone thing, uh, unless I'm using a 40 caliber Glock. But what I'm saying is this rattlesnake, I'm trying to go find. So we go out in the desert, and, and we're out there. And wouldn't you know it, there is nothing in the desert but cactus and everything that wants to bite you. So we're looking for all these rattlesnakes, and it doesn't take but about five minutes in August in outside of Phoenix, Arizona, because they have a heat out there that is not like the heat here. It was like 117 degrees. And I was like, I am thirsty. And God's saying, I will give you, listen to this, rivers in the desert. He didn't say, I'll give you a drink of water in the desert. He didn't say, I'll give you a bathtub in the desert. He didn't say, I'll give you a swimming. He said, I will give you rivers in the desert. In other words, God is about to do a new thing in your life and you're going, well, there's nothing he can do here. There's no way here. I feel like I'm in the wilderness. You are exactly where God wants you to be because he's about to make a way where there was no way. Somebody's about to get a river in the desert type experience with God, but you only find that when you stop rehearsing your previous failures. Stop going over the areas that you don't understand. Oh God, I just don't know why I have to go through that and why did the bumblebee sting me and it didn't sting somebody else. Here's the reality of it. You stop rehearsing those things and you start looking, where's that new thing, God? Where's that new thing you have for me? Where's that voice? Where's that? God, give me that. Take me back to that place that I first believed. Take me to a new thing in my life. Because the truth of a Christian walk is simple. It is a series of new beginnings. Somebody say new beginnings. It's a series of new beginnings. This is Christianity boiled down. It is a series of new beginnings. When when Jesus started looking around uh, to pick out his disciples, he didn't go to the church and he didn't go to the pulpits of the day. He went and he went to find people that were about their daily life doing things, uh, uh, continuing to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. And one encounter happens in Luke chapter 5. The Bible says Jesus needs to preach because let me tell you what preachers got to do. Preachers got to preach. And if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife because she's heard lots of sermons from this preacher, praise the Lord. But the reality is, is Jesus is there and, and, and he's, he's trying to preach and there's people all around him. He's at the beach. He said, man, if I could sit in a boat, I could push the boat off a little bit and I'd be able to preach and everybody could hear me and it'd be wonderful. So he looks and he sees Simon Peter who's cleaning his nets and he says, Simon, he said, can I use your boat to preach out of? And Simon says, well, I hadn't caught any fish. Come on in, preacher. And he puts him in there. He says, well, you push it off the bank a little bit. And he pushes it off the bank a little bit. And Jesus sits down in the front of that boat and he begins to preach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. The Bible says everybody around is blessed. Jesus says, amen, God bless you. See you Wednesday night. And then all of a sudden, uh, he looks and he says, Simon, you didn't catch any fish today. I didn't catch any fish. He said, push this boat out a little further and drop your net down for a catch. Simon says, preacher, look, okay, all right. I know you know the Bible and stuff, okay? But, I am a fisherman, okay? It's what I do. I mean, look at the boat. I have more than one. People work for me. I'm a fisher. It's what I do, okay? And I fished all night. I didn't catch any fish. In other words, there's no fish. But because you said it, sometimes if you're going to find a river in the desert, you just got to do what God said because he said it. It's not always going to make sense to you. 
It's not always going to make sense to you to go, to go and apologize to somebody when you don't feel like you're wrong. But if you want a river in the desert, you're going to have to do it because he said it. So he goes, but at your word. So he goes and he pushes out. And the Bible says, Jesus told him to let down his nets. And he only throws one out. And he goes to pull it in. And the Bible says there's so many fish that the net begins to break. And he calls out to his buddies in the other boat. He says, James, John, you guys, get over here, man. Help me pull this boat in. Let me pull these fish in. And they're pulling them in. And it's almost sinking his boat and his buddy's boat. In other words, Jesus said, can I use your boat? Simon says, Sure. And then within an hour or two, Jesus almost sunk the boat with blessings. Anytime you will give God access to an area of your life, you have just made that area accessible to the blessing. So the scripture says that he's there and he, he begins to sink the boat and, 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 and Jesus is just sitting there. He's like, yeah, that's what I do. The fish come whenever I tell them to come. They get in the net when I tell them to come. And Peter's like, man, you got to get away from me. He said, I'm a sinner. Jesus goes, I'm here because you're a sinner. You think I should go away because I'm God and I'm telling you I'm here because you have no choice. You have no chance without me. So he says, he says, Peter, he says, look, he goes, he goes, look, and, and verse number nine is where we pick up Luke five. Everybody was astonished. Peter was astonished and everybody that was with him and at the, at the catch that the fish that they had, all the fish they had. And verse 10, it says, and so was James and John's, the, John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto him, fear not. Somebody say, fear not. From henceforth, you shall catch men. In other words, you have been catching fish your whole life and you've gotten really good at it, but because you were willing to do what I told you to do, now I know you're a candidate, get this, for a new beginning. You see, what you're going through right now is preparing you for your next level. Let me tell you how it works. God knows and plans the end from the beginning. In other words, when Simon was a little boy, and I, I've got a little boy, uh, and, and I've got two daughters, and my little boy, let me tell you, you don't have to tell him to go fishing. You don't have to tell him to go hunting. You don't have to tell him. He, he came out the other day, and he goes, Dad, check this out. I'm like, what? He's got a necklace on with a bunch of shotgun shells on it. I said, what is that? He goes, it's my necklace. You want me to make you one? I said, I sure do. He looked tough as a rope with that thing. And proud of it, just walking. But see, Simon was that way when he was a kid. Simon would walk by the Sea of Galilee, and he'd go, man, I want to be out there fishing. He'd see a fish jump. I'm still the same way. My, my in-laws used to live on a canal down, down by Galveston, and, and we'd, be, we'd be walking by, and all of a sudden, I'd see a fish jump, and my hand would just start twitching. <laughs> because if there's a fish, I just want to catch it. And truth be told, I don't want to catch a fish. I want to catch all the fish. Simon's this way. But see, the reality was is Jesus was preparing him from the end all the way to the beginning. Because Simon was passionate about catching fish. And if you catch fish, there's a few things you got to know. Fish eat what fish like. In other words, you can't go put a Krispy Kreme donut on a hook and think you're going to catch a largemouth bass. That's what you like. You don't feed a fish what you like. You feed a fish what the fish wants. Why? Because I want to catch the fish. 
You don't take, look, if you want to catch an alligator, you got to throw some Gatorade out there. Praise the Lord. That's a bad joke. But you fish with what the fish needs and wants, not what you need and want. So Simon, from the beginning of his life, was being prepared to become an evangelist. But being prepared to become a disciple because he was a fisherman. And Jesus said to him, he said, because you did what I asked you to do, now I'm bringing to you a new beginning. I'm going to teach you how to catch people. The Bible says that James and John were there and they were really excited and they were astonished or they were uh, uh, very moved by what they were seeing also. And so can I just say this kind of as a side note? So if you're taking notes, just write this on the side. It matters very much who you spend your time with. James and John happened to be partners or friends or business partners with Simon. And all of a sudden, because Jesus came and introduced himself to Simon, now Jesus met James and John. I'm not telling you don't be around people that don't know Jesus. That's nonsense. We have to go and we have to win people. But what I am telling you is who you hang out with is rubbing off on you. And who you hang out with, you are rubbing off on them. And they don't have to be in the room. It could be the social media conversation you keep having. The argument with the person on the other side of the political aisle that is definitely positioning you where you'll never be able to speak any life into their life because all you ever talk about is what you disagree on. It may be the fact that you leave the television on the same news station which effectively preaches to the choir on whichever side of the political aisle you're on and you just hear it all day long, the same thing. And before you know it, everybody on the other side, uh, on the other side has horns and everybody on your side has a halo. Because what you're hearing, what you're around, what you're surrounding yourself with, it's rubbing off on you. It's becoming a part of your thought process. And then you start looking at everybody through that lens when God is trying to do a new thing in you. And it's very important, especially in 2018, if we're going to have the new beginnings that God's called us to have, it's very important that we begin to set some things and maybe even some relationships aside for a moment because who you spend your time with is very important to your destiny. James and John's entire life changed because of their relationship and the time they spent with Peter. The Bible says that Jesus goes and he almost sinks their boat with the fish. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. The scripture continues in verse 11 and it says, And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. If you're taking notes, write this down. New beginnings in your life require you to leave some things behind. New beginnings in your life require you to leave some things behind. They forsook all and followed him. You can't carry everything into 2018 that you drug along in 2017. How do we get it off of? I'm glad you asked. We're not calling a specific fast this year in 2018, January. We just had a great fast in, in, in December. But I'm challenging every person to begin to lay something aside for the month of December. Maybe it's a food. Maybe it's social media. You say, I can't do that. Maybe it's social media between the hours of, you know, 1 a.m. and 1.30 a.m. I don't know. <laughs> something that means something to you. Because when you begin to lay something down, when you begin to say, I'm not going to eat that because I really like it 
And I know that I will be drawn to that, which will mean I'm going to have to deny myself, which means I'm going to forsake something, which is going to show the Lord I'm serious about this thing. When you decide to forsake some things, now you become a candidate for the new beginning in your life. Now you become a candidate for that next level. Now you become a candidate for that next operation of God in your life. The Bible says that they forsook all and followed him. This was one of Peter's new beginnings. The Bible says in Matthew 14, don't turn there for the sake of time, but that, that the disciples are on a boat and they're headed across the sea and, and there's a great storm. It's the middle of the night and they look out and they see somebody walking on the water. And wouldn't you know it, it was Jesus. The Bible says that they look out and they, they're so scared because they think it's a ghost because, I mean, they see somebody. At, I mean, think about this. You're, you're in a boat at night you don't have spotlights and lights. You don't have any of that. The only light you might have is a torch, but, but it's a storm going on, so you might not even be able to keep a torch lit. So you're in the dark, and all of a sudden, you see somebody walking on the waves at night. I think we might be a little struck also, praise the Lord. So they look, and they think, man, there's a ghost out there. And the Bible says that, that, that Jesus hears them, and he goes, hey, guys, I'm not a ghost. I'm Jesus. I'm, I'm your man. I'm the rabbi. I'm, I'm him. You know, I'm right here. And, and Peter goes, if it's you, call me to come out on the water with you. Now, the reason he said this is because he'd spent some time with Jesus up to this point, and Jesus was constantly talking about these things and greater shall you do. You see, the reality is you'll only do what you believe. Somebody say amen. You'll only experience what you believe. You want to go to heaven, you better believe in Jesus. And you'll experience heaven. It's the same with every other facet of life. If you want to live the blessed life, you can't go around believing God's putting curses on you. If you want to go around believing God's going God's to bless your family, you can't go around believing God's trying to make you sick. God does not make his children sick. Somebody give God a big hand of praise. God does not make his children sick. God despises sickness and disease. He hates disease in all forms and all fashion. How do I know? Because I have nursed my own children back to health and I have thought there's nothing I would not do to get this disease off of my children. And he's a better father than I am. Only child abusers would make their children sick. And he's a good father. Somebody say good father. So the Bible says that he's there and he says, if it's you, let me come out there. And Jesus said, well, come on, Peter. And the Bible says, Peter, he's in, he's in the boat. And now he's a, he's, a, he's, a sea, uh, he's a sea man, so he knows all about uh, the winds and the waves. And he's sitting there and he gets to the edge. And can you imagine? He's probably looking back at James and John. He's like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm really going to do it. And they're like, man, you better be careful. I mean, Jesus could probably do it, but, but I don't know about you. And, and, and he finally says, that's it. He said, if Jesus said I can do it, I'm going to try it. Let me tell you something. 2018, there's going to be some stuff. The only way you'll know you'll be able to do it is you've got to try it. Everything you've ever tried to do, you've accomplished it. Everything you tried not to do, you did not. Everything just about. Almost exclusively with all of us, our life is filled with when we really put in the effort, we see it happen, and when we don't, we don't. Now, when you go for it with God, you have all of heaven backing your play. All of heaven is standing at the ready to see, will anyone swing their leg over the side of that boat and do what Jesus said do? 
The Bible says he comes over, he gets out on the water, and he begins to walk, and he's going, man, look at this. And if he did what I would have done, I would have turned around to James and John, and I would say, you guys don't have any faith. Look at me go. (laughs) But then he looks, and while he's enjoying his walk on the water, he begins to look at the wind and the waves. The Bible says he begins to sink. Now, I don't know if he dropped like a rock. I don't know if he fell slow, but we know he began to sink. And Jesus looked at him and says, Simon, you got to have more faith than that, dude. If you could walk on the water a second ago, you can walk on the water now. You see, the winds and the waves, they were what were scaring the disciples before. In other words, Simon put his eyes on previous things when God is saying, don't remember what scared you before. I'm asking you to take a step as if you've never tripped. I'm asking you to take a step as if you've never fallen. Don't remember past failures. Don't remember the things that are raging and and scaring you. The Bible says Jesus grabs him by the hand, picks him up, and gets back in the boat. You see, at the end of it all, when it comes to new beginnings in your life and my life, Number one, there's some things you're going to have to leave behind. You're not taking everything into the promised land that you left Egypt with. But number two, you have to recognize you'll find your next level outside of the boat, outside of your comfort zone. I've said this before, but it's the truth. I live outside of my comfort zone. I don't say that to to talk about me. I only know my stories. That's why I tell my stories. But I live outside my comfort zone. And when I begin to feel that discomfort, and I know it's the will of God, I do my best to push against it with everything, every stitch of faith that I have because I don't want to be hesitant to do what God says and quick to respond to fear. You see, courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing what you know you should do in the presence of fear. In other words, when the fire is in front of you and the devil says, you'll either bow or you'll burn, you tell him, turn it up because I'm not bowing to you. When you decide to live by faith and to get out of the boat. Now, a boat is a very special thing to a man. I've had several. I, I, I like boats. I, I, I like fishing. I like the whole thing. Uh, the last boat I had, we sold right before we came over here. Uh, but but it, was, it was a 22-something foot long uh, Hydrosport Bay boat. With a, with, it had a T-top on it. It had a big 200 or 225, I can't remember, big four-stroke motor. It had, uh, it had a jack plate on it, so it would, it would go up and down in the water. So if you got in shallow water or deep water, it had something called trim tabs on it, hydraulic tabs you could push down that would level that thing out like that. It had a depth finder on it. You could see hundreds of feet deep. It had a, a VHF uh, radio on it. I could talk to anybody. It had a radar on it, people. I could drive the boat without looking anywhere. I could just look at the screen. Had a radar on it like a, like a big ship in the ocean. And I was on Lake Conroe, not like I needed it, but I loved it, praise the Lord. I used that boat for two things. I used it to go fishing and I used it to go to Starbucks. But I loved this boat. And then you would get on the boat and man, if the boat was dirty, it was only dirty for a minute because I was cleaning that thing. Just scrub it. I had my kids out there. They were tiny. I was like, clean that thing. I had a bucket full of bleach. I was like, you better get in there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
I said, clean that thing. We don't want this boat dirty. We did everything we could to make that boat comfortable. And we get them out there. And man, let me tell you something. If you like boats, you really like boats when they're in the water. You don't even have to be doing anything. If you like boats and you get in the water and you're on a boat, let me tell you, the only ugly boats are boats that aren't floating. You can, listen, because I've had, the, I've, had, I've had boats that were ugly and I've had boats that were fine and, and any of, when you put, when you get them off the trailer and in the water, something just swells up on the inside of you go, we boating now, people, praise the Lord. <laughs> There's something about a boat. So what I'm saying is I've been in that situation where you're in something that you work on because you can't have a boat, you don't work on it because every boat, B-O-A-T says bring out another thousand. You're constantly working on a boat. So Peter had worked on his boat all the time. Peter knew where his boat was good at it, knew what it wasn't good at. It was a place of comfort for him. Sometimes I would leave my office at uh, 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and I, I just maybe had a rough morning. I said, man, I'm going to get on the water for a little bit. You get on the water, you go, okay, now I'm back. Praise the Lord. Because a boat is a place of comfort if you like boats. If you don't like boats, it could be a prison. But it's a place of comfort if you like boats. Peter had to decide to get out of his comfort zone to experience the miraculous. Maybe you're here today and you're visiting. And if you're not ready for some of this, we want you to keep coming anyway. But I'm here to tell you, God will heal your physical body. If you've been carrying heartache, he will set you free. You say, how does it happen? He does things that nobody can explain. We can only describe the results. God will restore your marriage, but you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You can't talk like your mom did to your dad if they didn't have a great relationship and expect you and your husband to have a great relationship. You can't talk to your wife like your dad talked to your mom if your mom and dad didn't have a great relationship and expect to have a great relationship with your spouse. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to step out. Maybe that's you in business this year, and I'm not telling you to do this, but I am telling you, if you've been stirred to start a business or an idea or an invention or otherwise, I'm just telling you, it doesn't happen in your comfort zone. It happens when you step out, and the only way that you see God do it is you've got to get out on the water. You have to, maybe you're wanting to get a degree. Maybe you say, man, I, I, I don't know, I, I've always wanted to get a degree. I've always wanted to go to that next level. That's me, I want to do it. But you've never stepped out of the boat to do it. You need to go to the school, find out what it would cost, and begin to have something you can put your faith towards. Go talk to an advisor. What will it take? What classes do I have to take? This is what I want to do. I want to be a fireman. What do I have to do? You go down to the fire school and you ask them, what do I have to do to be a fireman? And then you start putting your faith into that situation because it'll never happen. We have a little dog. His name is Hank. uh, And we call him Hank the Couch Dog, praise the Lord. but he's a little Jack Russell Terrier and he does tricks and, it, you know, I like him and he's just a, he's a real mess. We had another dog for like 12 or 13 years before that and, and, and he went to doggy heaven, wherever that is, praise the Lord, in the fall. But we got this new little puppy, man, and he's just, he's wonderful. But we call him Hank the Couch Dog because it sounds funny, but then also because when that dude is on the couch, I mean, he looks like a pillow. He looks so comfortable. 
You put a little blanket for him and he curls up and he does what dogs do. You know, he walks around about three times. Then he just lays down and he sleeps like a puppy. You know, puppies can sleep like nothing else on the planet. I mean, they're they're completely, they'll get comfortable wherever they are. So he sleeps on that couch. But if you take him outside and you get him around the horses, you get him around the cows, you even get around the chickens, he starts getting a little nervous. He's outside of his comfort zone. But every time we take him out there, he gets a little more confident. Every time we take him out there, he stops freaking out about the horses, praise the Lord. He stops getting all worried about the big dogs and the cats and all the other. He stops losing his mind over his other things because the moment you'll decide I'm not living in my comfort zone is the moment you become a candidate to get more comfortable in what everybody else is scared of. You see, the disciples in the boat were terrified of the water and Peter's just walking on it. Because the moment you decide I'm not living 2018 in my comfort zone is the moment you become a candidate for a new beginning. Give God a big hand of praise. Last example I want to give and maybe the most important. John 21, just in the sake of the timeline, Jesus died, was dead for three days, rose miraculously from the grave. He appeared himself to the disciples and others for 40 days. Then, 10 day, then he wrote, ascended into heaven. And then 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came down. So we were, in John 21, we're in the middle of the 40 days. Jesus is dead, has died already. He's risen from the dead. And we're in the middle of the 40 days. And the Bible says, uh, Simon and the disciples, Peter, they're sitting around. And, and Simon says, man, let's go fishing. And the Bible says that they go and they, they, they start fishing and same thing, they fish all night, they don't catch anything. And they look and there's a man walking down the beach and they don't know who he is. It's Jesus, but they don't know who he is. You say, how can you not recognize Jesus? You got to understand, in those days they wore great big robes, maybe they had an overcoat on, it's possible he had a big hood on and he's just walking the beach. And Jesus screams out because the boat's about 100 yards from the shore and he screams out and he says, he says, he says have you all caught anything? Now, when they heard him, they might could have thought, you know, uh, why would somebody be asking us that? That sounds like Jesus. But you also have to understand, they didn't have like Kroger and H-E-B. So if you wanted fish, you went to the sea and you looked and found a fishing boat and you said, you got some fish I can buy? And that would be how you got your, your, your fish for the day. So they came, he comes, and he says, you caught any fish? They said, we hadn't caught any. And he says, throw your net on the right side of the boat. And you might think, well, why would they do what he said do? Let me tell you something. If you're a fisherman, I don't care who gives you a fishing tip, you're going to do it. There's a big fish hanging out by that oak tree over there. Okay, i got to get over there, praise the Lord. They may have never even seen the oak tree, but you're going to give it a go. Now, especially if somebody's sitting on a bucket with a bunch of fish, then you're really going to listen to them, praise the Lord. But any fishing tip, you'll follow it. A lot of times you can tell where the fish are by what the birds are doing. Maybe they thought maybe he could see something. But either way, they took their net and they threw it on the right side of the boat. Isn't it interesting that if there's a right side, there's probably a wrong side? You see, God can instruct you exactly what to do in the right moment, but you've got to be in the right place. Jesus couldn't tell them, throw your net while you're sitting at home. Because there's no fish at your house. But you can come to the house of God. And in a moment, 
in a worship experience, during a sermon, while you're shaking hands, God can quicken something in you and say, now throw your net. Because you're in the place where what you're looking for is. The Bible says, throw your net. They throw it over. They begin to pull it in. Boom, 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 boom. So heavy they can barely pull it in. And John, who wrote this part of the Bible, he said, he said, oh man, look at all these fish. He goes, Simon, that's Jesus on the beach. And Simon drops the net. And he runs over. And he says, he says, he says, that's Jesus says, it's got to be. He ties his coat around his waist and he jumps in and he swims a hundred yards to the beach, gets to the shore. And he says, he says, Jesus, he goes, it's me. He says, come here, I made you some breakfast. And he sits down and begins to open the kingdom of heaven to him once again, telling him about his life. Last point I want to make. When you get committed to being close to Jesus... At whatever the cost, the details disappear. Before, Simon didn't recognize who Jesus was until he almost sank his boat. And that was the first time Jesus found him. Oh, I know how it sounds. We all like to say it like this. When I found Jesus, but the truth is, we don't typically find Jesus. Jesus finds us. You say, well, you don't understand. I believe this. Let me tell you something. Your grandma prayed for you. That relationship, that person at work that told you, that person that invited you to New Heights Church. Listen, it's one thing to think you found Jesus, but the truth of it is, is he is seeking and anybody who will look in return, you can have him. Then that next time, <laughs> as soon as Peter was willing to get outside of his comfort zone, and, and the only condition he had was let me walk on water with you. But then you get to know him at a deeper level. And you say, listen, I don't care if I have to walk on the water. I don't care if I have to flap my wings and fly like a bird. If Jesus is on that beach then I'm getting to Jesus and I don't care about the details. Because the more you get in tune with him, the more the details fade. They just begin to dissipate. Oh, you still got to go through life. You still got to pay your light bill. You still got to do all those other things. Don't you ever go to work and act like, oh, I can't do that because I'm a Christian and I can't work on uh, this hard or whatever. No, no, no. Don't you give Jesus a bad name. You do all your work as unto the Lord. But at the end of the day, if Jesus is on the beach, forget about the boat. If Jesus is on the water, forget about the boat. And if Jesus tells you to follow him, forget about the boat. And I know how that feels. I just told you, I sold my boat right before we came over here. Y'all not going to believe the boat I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. I'm just picturing it. I'll be back in a minute. (laughs) And I'm back. Okay. Praise the Lord. He said he'll do bigger than anything I can think or ask. I'll just think on it. You don't want a boat? Don't think and ask for a boat. I want another boat. Praise the Lord. Y'all going to like coming to my house. (laughs) 
Praise the Lord. Details disappear when you see Jesus for who he is. There's a great movie, I believe it was called The Centurion. And it was a year or two ago it came out. And they were, it was about a Roman soldier who was tasked with finding Jesus' dead body after he'd risen from the dead. It's a great movie. So they're going around, they're interrogating everybody, and they're arresting all the disciples that they can find. That's why the disciples were shut up in the upper room on the third day is because they were trying to arrest all the disciples to stop an uprising from taking place. That's why Jesus had to walk through the wall because they had barricaded themselves into the room. They were scared. They, they, they didn't, they didn't want to be drugged before Pontius Pilate. They saw what would happen. Pontius Pilate would wash his hands of them, and then the, then the Jews would scream out, and the Romans would kill them. So they didn't want to be killed. So they were in the upper room. They had locked themselves in. So Jesus just walked through the wall, praise the Lord. But what happened is, is in the movie, they began to arrest all the disciples. And I can't remember which one it was, but they arrested one. And they drag him in. And it's, it's like you'd picture, if you picture a Roman soldier interrogating somebody. So they got this guy and they're like, they're like so you saw Jesus? Like, I saw it, man. Yeah, he goes, he goes, and he's dead. He goes, he's not dead, he's alive. I saw him, he's alive. He goes, he goes, he can't possibly, he's alive. I'm telling you, he's alive. He said, well, if he's alive, then you know where he is. And all of a sudden, the disciple gets quiet. He said, if you don't tell us, we're going to kill you. And the disciple kind of smirks. He goes, if you don't tell us, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill your family. We're going to kill everybody. You better tell us where Jesus is. And finally, he goes, okay, 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 okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Now, this is the disciple who saw Jesus alive. This is the disciple who knew Jesus for who he was. At the threat of his own life. They're saying, we're going to kill you if you don't tell him. And he walks over. He goes, fine, I'll tell you. And he leans over to that Roman soldier. And he said to him, he goes, I'll tell you exactly where he is. He leans in. He goes, he's everywhere. effectively what he was telling him is kill me if you want the details have disappeared what are you threatening me with heaven I've already seen he's stronger than death I've seen he's stronger than disease I've seen he's stronger than the devil I've seen he's stronger than raging waves I've seen he's stronger than the dead of night I've seen he's stronger than a grave I've seen he's stronger than a stone I've seen he's stronger than nails I've seen he's stronger than a spear I've seen he's stronger than a crown of thorns I've seen he's stronger than a whip I've seen he's stronger what can you threaten me with you see a new beginning starts when you see him for who he is and then the details just they don't go away they just dissolve they're no longer the focus of your life what do you mean i'm no longer living by all these details that keep popping up i'm living for christ every day of my life well what happens when you get a bad report well that means i'm about to get healed praise the lord how do you know his bible says it See, it's a season, it's a year of new beginnings. Somebody said new beginnings. New beginnings in our life. We're going to have to leave some things behind. You can't carry it all with you. Great way to do that is to take part in fasting with us. You'll be able to knock some stuff off your life. Secondly, you've got to understand the miraculous, the will of God in your life 
is almost exclusively outside of your comfort zone. But the good news is, the more time you spend there, the more time you spend outside your comfort zone, like Hank the couch dog, the more comfortable you get out there. Now all of a sudden, it's no longer something that makes you nervous to share your faith with somebody. It's no longer something that makes you nervous to tell somebody your testimony. How do I tell them my testimony? Well, first you rehearse it with your friends and family. We're going to bring a great minister in named Deborah George. Y'all can look her up online. I call her a soul winner extreme. And we're going to have some great uh, soul winning training take place. How many of you would like to just know some real fundamental ways that you can share your faith better? We're going to bring her in. She's going to help us. Uh, I've gone soul winning. My family and I, we've gone soul winning with her. Uh, she's a great, great teacher. Uh, she's, she's very passionate. Uh, she's very uh, successful at winning souls. That's why I call her the soul winner extreme. But then the, the third thing, and, and maybe the most important, is when you stay that focused on him, now these details begin to dissipate. And as the details dissipate, the threats become mute in your life. You don't care anymore. And I don't mean that disrespectful to anybody. I'm just saying you don't got, the cause is too great for me to, for me to worry what you think about me. What if we just applied that filter to every area of our life? If I honestly did not care what anybody thought about me, what is the best thing I can do right now? I mean, honestly, don't care. What's the best thing I can do? I don't mean it disrespectful. I don't mean we're trying to throw something in somebody's face. None of that. But we're just not making a decision based off of what anybody else would think. On the contrary, we're going to let the details dissipate. And we're going to find our way to Jesus because in him is every new beginning. And look, if it's been too long for you to have a new beginning, today's your day. If you needed a reboot, today's your day. God didn't send you here by accident. You didn't just accidentally pick this church. No, God's, God's here and he's able to do that new thing. Somebody said new thing. Let's all stand to our feet, please. going to wrap up service in just a minute, but the most important new beginning you can have is to commit your life to Jesus. He will save you. He will forgive you of all of your sins and trespasses, and he will write your name in his book of life. So if you've never made Jesus your Lord, I'm about to give you that opportunity. It's the number one most important new beginning in your life. Number two, maybe you're here and you say, I used to walk strong with God, but something happened. And now I feel like, like I've lost relationship with God. Let me just make it clear. He's not angry with you. Matter of fact, he is seeking you. And all you have to do is take one step in his direction and you'll find him sprinting in your direction. So if that's you and you say, I've never give, given Jesus my heart ask him to forgive me or you'd say you know what I used to walk strong with him but I'm backslidden I've fallen away we want to give you the opportunity to choose him now everybody bow your head and close your eyes please if you're here today and that's you you say I've never given my heart to Jesus or and I know I need to recommit my life when I count to three I want you to lift your hand and with an uplifted hand you're just saying oh God remember me and he really really will he'll wash all your sins away wrap you in loving arms that never fail 
and you'll find this primary new beginning in your life to be the change, the, the crossover, the threshold point that you've been looking for. When I count to three, if that's you, just lift your hand tall and bold. One, two, three, lift your hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Lift it tall and bold. I see that hand, thank you very much. Now, if you lifted your hand or you wanted to, pray this prayer after me. The whole church is going to help us pray. Say this. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Please forgive me of all my sins. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian now on my way to heaven. Today is my day of new beginnings. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Give God a big hand of praise. If you said yes to Jesus today for the first time or the first time in a long time, Christians do a few things. We do a lot, but here's three. One, we pray. If you don't know how to pray, talk to God like you're talking to your best friend. Two, read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, stop by the tent after service. Let us give you one. If you don't know where to start, it's a big book. If you don't know where to start, start with the book of John. It's called the Gospel of Love. It's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. Number three, Christians go to church. If you live within 100 miles of right here, I just want to say this. Welcome to New Heights Church. Welcome home in Jesus' name. We'll pray for us before we leave, but I don't like to close service without giving you an opportunity to be planted right here. The Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they'll flourish in God's courts. So if you're here today and you've never joined our church officially, we want to give you the opportunity to be planted Now, we have some great new members classes that are coming up. Sometimes they can be difficult to get to because of scheduling. But if you're here today and you say, man, I want to join the church. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to put a microphone in your face. But if you know, maybe you've been here. Maybe it's your first time here. But you know this is the place for you. You want to join the church. We want to celebrate that decision with you. So if that's you, when I count to three, if you want to join the church today, just lift your hand real tall. One, two, three. Lift your hand. Praise the Lord. I don't see anybody. Let's all lift our hands, church. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for everything you've done in our life. And I thank you for this year of new beginnings. I thank you that as we leave some things behind that we'll see a new beginning. I thank you, Lord God, that as we step out of our comfort zone, we'll see a new beginning. And I thank you, Lord God, that we'll see new beginnings and we'll see all of the negative details in our life begin to dissipate as we stay focused on getting closer to you. Now, Lord, I ask you to bless your people coming in, bless them going out, bless them in the city, and bless them in the field this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you all Wednesday night. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.